Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Stephen Kohler. I am founder and CEO of Audier Labs, and I am so excited to welcome all of you to the inaugural session of Audier Listening Sessions, or as I like to describe them, jam sessions. And today I'm super pleased to welcome our first guest, uh, Jeremy Gershfeld, who uh, I'll allow to introduce in just a moment. And before we do that, though, I'd like to just tell everybody who's tuning into this to a little bit about the context and purpose for these listening sessions. At Audira, we believe that the most effective leaders leverage the power of deep, active listening to create meaningful impact in the world. Certainly, as the recent events that have unfolded us, we're in an incredibly noisy and some would say dissonant or cacophonous world. And we believe at Audira that as leaders, we have the opportunity and, quite frankly, responsibility to really slow down and listen deeply uh, to ourselves, to those around us, and to the context in which we find ourselves. And uh, we believe that with this greater listening, we can become more connected uh, in our communities. Uh, we can become more resilient and more purposeful as leaders. And as one of my guitar heroes, Jimi Hendrix, famously said, uh, knowledge speaks and yet wisdom listens. And uh, with that, we really find discussions like we're about to have today about the importance and practice of listening to be so foundational. So to this end, we created uh, listening sessions as a platform in which we can invite and, and more importantly, learn uh, from amazing leaders like we're going to have today uh, for them to share their experiences, not just about listening, but how they've applied this concept in their journeys to amplify their own leadership. So with that, I'd love to introduce our first guest, uh, Jeremy. I am honored to count him not only a personal friend, but an amazing and inspiring leader in so many ways. He is uh, an incredible uh, performer, composer, teacher. Uh, he happens to also be uh, an expert leadership coach uh, and have deep expertise in the world of industrial and organizational psychology. Uh, I don't want to steal his thumber, uh, so let me turn it over to Jeremy to uh, to tell our listeners today a little bit about your journey. Thank you for having me, Stephen. It's it's a real pleasure to be here. We met uh, Stephen uh, through a mutual professional friend uh, who had heard that I was a musician, that uh, I was in organizational psychology and uh, leadership coaching, and that we specialized in how one listens uh, to another. And there's so much that is involved in that, uh, that I've really spent the last number of years uh, exploring what that means. And really delighted to talk about that with you today. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's a perfect segue to perhaps one of the questions we always enjoy starting with here, which is, uh, how do you define listening, Jeremy? Well, listening as most of us know it is that you hear things through your ears and that it processes uh, in the brain as you hear some words or sounds and you respond to that. But really, that's just the beginning. Our brains are these super uh, powerful sensory absorption devices and processors. And uh, we, you know, we're taking in sensory uh, signals from all of our senses, you know, sight, sound, smell, touch. When we hear something and we're listening to someone, maybe we're hearing their words, but if that's all we're doing, our brains uh, need far more stimulation. 
if you want a metaphor, think about if you're exercising in your basement, you know, we're all in the pandemic and you're just on a, on a bicycle, not a Peloton, but just like a regular simple like bike, <laughs> you get bored out of your mind because you're missing all of the sensory stimulation of the scenery going around you, the speed that you're going. There's so many things that your mind is processing. So if you're just listening to somebody for their words, it's like you're on that plain old exercise bike in your basement, bored out of your mind. What happens is that your mind starts thinking about other things. It just wants to process more. And listening, when it's done well, is also thinking about the context of what uh, the person is saying, or if you're listening to music, the context of the music, or you're in the environment, uh, or say that we were natural creatures, not in the contemporary society, but you know, living out in the wild. You're processing the environment so that you know if they're predators. If you're a predator, you're processing the environment for where you're gonna get your next meal, or you're gonna meet the next person that you wanna be with. So in our sensory processing is the same as then, but in con contemporary society, we still need to do that, looking into the context, thinking about the context of what somebody's saying, paying attention to somebody's body language with your eyes to see what are their facial signals indicating or their body language. What is the scenery? What, what's going on around? All of that is a subtext to understand what is this person that I'm listening to? What am I taking in? Then the mind starts to really focus on many things that is, is more stimulated and you start to understand there's a far richer environment that you're listening to. And so that's what I define listening as a multitude of sensory processing uh, that focuses on uh, processing what the auditory uh, uh, nerve is picking up. You know, I love that, Jeremy, on so many levels, and you're pointing to something that's, I think, so foundational and profound in many ways in that we often, as you say, many of us think of listening in a very narrowly defined approach. We think about maybe listening with our ears in an oral sense. And we forget that listening in the way you're describing is a full, almost 360-degree sensory approach where uh, we may not be aware of it, but we have the opportunity to listen with our eyes and our sense of touch and our smell, but have a kind of full sensory approach. And most of the time, many of us are uh, not fully aware, not fully present. Um, Talk to us a little bit about kind of what might get in the way from us, many of us, from truly listening in the way you're describing. There are a lot of things that get in the way. Uh, thank you for that uh, wonderful question, Stephen. Oftentimes, the things that get in the way first are one's own mindset, how one is taking in what one hears. Say that you're focused enough to hear the words that somebody's saying, and you remember everything they say, so that Oftentimes people say, well, a good listener is able to repeat back what they're hearing. But then you have what's going on in your own mind. Uh, oftentimes people reflect, well, how does this affect me? There is a neuroscientist who determined through putting people through the fMRI uh, machines that when somebody's mind is at rest, what they're thinking about is all their social circles and their relation in their hierarchy to um, all the people that they know socially. So oftentimes when one listens, it's how does this reflect on me? So one practice is to 
say, okay, I'm going to not reflect on how this impacts me, but rather what are they saying and how does that reflect on them? What are the different clues that I can understand? Who, who is this person? What are they trying to say? What are the motivations that are behind them saying this? It's a way, it's a cue to remind you to think outside of oneself. Mm-hmm. And so that is maybe step one to keep reminding yourself, bring it back to what about the person who's speaking? I love that. And it speaks to what you mentioned earlier of paying attention to context. And while an element of that context to get your, you know, you as a listener outside of your own head is to try to understand, as I'm hearing you say, understand the context of the other person that you're communicating with, that you're listening to. Because you're right, I, I, uh, I heard somebody say that most of us start uh, from a place of uh, how will this affect me? And, and when we're not, we're not in our best selves, we're, we're worried about how we look and how we sound, right? Um, so, there's all that kind of stuff that's getting in the way. So, your point about a trick to get out of our own heads is to think about the other person, the context they're in, putting ourselves in their shoes, so to speak, is an incredible, powerful shift that we can all practice. And remember, our brains can handle this. It's a matter of practicing being able to do that. I think about uh, professional uh, quarterbacks who have to process all of this sensory information about uh, how to get a football thrown to a receiver after they're being uh, defended against by incredible athletes and strong defenses. Things slow down once you've practiced all the elements and working them together. So you practice uh, thinking about somebody's body language, their facial expressions, the context, what, is the under, what are the underlying themes that are behind the words? You're also bringing it back to just thinking of the words that they're saying. Mm-hmm. What did they say? This helps you not be distracted by your own thoughts or even thinking about yourself in relation to the other person's words. It takes practice. There's a methodology to it. Well, I love that. And you're also pointing to this idea that I know I can certainly relate to is we're in a world, particularly arguably now, where we're so overwhelmed with, with what I might call noise. You know, we have social media, we have a pandemic, we have, at least in this country, a lot of uh, challenge, shall we say, in the p- political environment. We have a um, 24-7 news cycle, um, which can be, for many of us, very distracting, very overwhelming. And your metaphor about the quarterback was so powerful because uh, what showed up for me, as you said, that is is an effective leader, like a quarterback, is able to tune out the noise that's not serving him or her and focus on what really matters in that moment. Can you talk to us about, you know, what you've learned of, of that ability to focus in and maybe tune out the noise that, that may not be serving us as leaders? Oftentimes, the art of listening can be like a practice of meditation, that beginning meditators are the first uh, instruction is, well, you can follow the breath. Just pay attention to your breath in and out. The quality of it is something to focus on. And so then one could say, well, focus on the words that somebody's saying. Just follow their words, follow what they're saying. If you've got that, and then you lose your focus, say that uh, your mind wanders, which is natural for all of us you bring it back again, ask them, and don't be embarrassed say, could you repeat that? I did get all of the words that you were saying. Stephen, what were you saying? How do you focus, right? It, it gets better as we do that. I love your point about, first of all, having the courage to 
practically say, hey, can you repeat that? Because how many times, and I know I'm guilty of this, we may have nodded and said, oh, yeah, I got it, or I, I follow you, and we were distracted, and we didn't really get it, right? So, to have that courage. Um, and it's also, uh, it's a sign of respect that we care enough to, to really make sure that we're, we're with somebody. This is a great segue to my next question, which is one might say, okay, that makes sense in everyday life. Yeah, we talk about listening being important, but... Um, Help us understand, Jeremy, from a from a more traditional definition of leadership. Let's say I work in a team environment, a corporation, a school, a government, uh, or community organization. What in the world matters about listening uh, in in those kind of more professional settings in your mind? Yeah, professional settings are like any social setting, but your career can matter on this. I have found that the thing that matters to most people is whether they feel seen or heard. You know. Mm-hmm hear about that every time a political election is dissected. These voters felt heard and their needs were met. When somebody feels truly listened to in a, in a real way, they feel recognized mm-hmm. and a connection and a relationship is initiated that is very real. It's often said that somebody who feels listened to, even by a stranger, will unburden themselves about really things that they felt uncomfortable about. They don't feel judged. They just feel listened to. It's an act of courage and leadership to quiet one's own thoughts and listen to somebody else so that they feel that they're recognized. Mm -hmm. And in fact, without even realizing it, they are far more likely than to extend you that same courtesy of listening to you because they felt recognized. A powerful listener extends that courtesy because they're aware that someone may not have ever felt heard before, especially in different power dynamics. Perhaps a leader feels, well, they're always listened to. Maybe they feel like they're not listened to. But whether you're the person perceived in the hierarchy, higher or lower, when you're able to demonstrate that you really are hearing them and listening to what they're thinking about, they remember you differently. And that starts the process for really a connection worth working together of having something mutual where uh, something is able to get done rather than Mm. talking at each other. That's so powerful, Jeremy. You know, the word that really hit me like a ton of bricks is the word courage. You know, we've all heard this phrase uh, used in different ways of leadership courage. And it's often in, in, in an understandable way, you know, having the courage to say something or do something, right? What I love about what you said is you're inviting us to think about inverting leadership courage or adding to that concept by having the courage to listen. Listen to somebody else um, as a, a form of deep connection, respect, um, and impact. That's so huge, Jeremy. Thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, and something to add to that, there are always dynamics in politics uh, and maybe somebody has an agenda that there are things that are, are unsaid. But the act of listening, you're not betraying anybody's thoughts. No discretion is changed in those dynamics. Being able to listen to somebody, uh, you're respecting any discretion that is necessary or any political dynamics that are to be aware of where maybe not everybody's motivations are aligned. It doesn't interfere with any of that. 
That's so powerful. You know, I want to build, I want to kind of follow this thread. You've given us the gift of how to slow down, to quiet ourselves, to really be present focused when with others while balancing all the the thoughts that are running around, uh, some of which may not serve us, right? And and really tune in and slow down uh, in our own thoughts. Talk to us about that. In some ways, our own thoughts are often because we, we feel anxious because we don't perceive our needs in that particular moment. And our minds are racing. What, what am I doing? Where am I going? What, what time is it? Am I late for something? Our mind is racing because we can't focus on what our current present needs are. Hmm. Sometimes our, our needs are uh, emotional and we need somebody to um, recognize that we're feeling a certain way that is, um, whether it's um, sad or happy or just to be recognized for that. Uh, sometimes our needs are that we need to get something done and we need a task to be completed. And the people that are around, I need to have their help in, in completing this task. And so it's a matter of, of getting something done. People are often not in touch with what their needs are in that present moment for mm. uh, oftentimes uh, the context of what they're doing socially, right? Maybe you're at a party situation and the point is just to have fun. Oh, it's so true. And we may have any countless numbers of limiting beliefs and narratives we might be listening to of what I should or shouldn't be doing, right? Or, or you know, fill in the blank on countless other things. I love that your point about really slowing down to recognize our own needs, because that, that can get lost very easily. You know, the kind of the third area I'd love to probe on a little bit is, is you've given us the gift of kind of how to slow down, listen to others in a very purposeful and present way. How do we start to listen? You talked about context earlier. How do we listen to the world outside of us, whether it's our community or um, larger area? And I'm thinking about, obviously, we're in a world right now, at least in this country, that's facing so much change. You know, one could stop and say, oh, what in the world can I do about any of this? How do we listen to all that and try to find meaning as a purpose? I think that one has to spend time listening to oneself more. It's a quiet sense of knowing who you are. Oftentimes, as a musician, I would think of that question you had in terms of what is the sound that you carry with you? But I think that that is useful for people to understand who they are and thinking about what they do and how they project themselves in the world. I personally think about the sound that I want to create, whether it's musically or when I respond to understand what my sound is and who I am, how do I project myself into the world and how will other people project themselves in the world in that way? That's so powerful, Jeremy. And it, you know, in leadership, we talk a lot about this idea of impact, intention and impact. And, and what I appreciate about what you said is, that, that weaves everything together that you've spoken to us about today is this idea of noticing that impact in yourself. You know, what do I need and, and how uh, is what I'm listening to impacting me? When I'm talking to you, um, how is what I'm saying landing on you and that impact? And then how how is, is my tone, so to speak, impacting in, in the world outside and vice versa? How is the world impacting me? And it's just so powerful. I think that when practiced, like any kind of uh, discipline, it builds on itself. It teaches one how to understand oneself and your context in the world, and it brings the world into you as well. Mm. I've read that, you know, the visual medium, you're projecting yourself out into the world, but with listening, you're bringing the world into you. 
the link in my mind that you're kind of inviting for us is to think about how we might continue to practice, capital P, practice this ongoing art of listening, listening to ourselves, listening to those that we're with, listening to the world. Um, and to your point, also kind of continue to practice this art of, of, of noticing tone and sound. You know, and then to, to continue the music metaphor, you know, how does your sound mesh with somebody else's sound? Oh, and how many teams have we all either been part of or witnessed where we've observed, you know, some, some uh, place on that spectrum, teams that were uh, harmonizing beautifully and having a huge, incredible impact, and then teams in which there was a lot of consonants and a lot of dissonance and not a lot of harmony yet. You know, uh, before we started, Jeremy, uh, you gave me a hint that you might have a little musical gift for us to, to talk about how we can think about this art of listening and tone and sound from a musical perspective. So I'd love to invite you to, to maybe show, show us and demonstrate what you have in mind. Sure. Well, I have my viola with me. For when I was quite young, I love just digging into hearing what the possibilities were, creating different sounds, the front edge of my instrument or the, the richness, the lower end. And I would go for hours sometimes just exploring that. It's like exploring the palette of what's possible. I think about when I work with people on how to listen and you know, there's a lot to consider. You know, the brain has to take so much in and then you have to consider the context and looking at our people beyond just the words that they're saying. And, oh, you have to remind yourself, it's not about you, take people in. How do you do all that? You know, the brain gets good at putting all these elements together. It's a term that's been used as chunking. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when you practice individual elements and learn to get good at them, you then add different elements, you practice them together. And over time, it becomes easy. You, it goes to a different part of the brain where you put all these things together and it, it makes a lot of sense. So maybe what I think I'll do is that I will uh, show an example of how you take some elements of different ways of playing an instrument like the viola, and then you start chunking them together to create richer, more sonorous ideas. So here, here we go. Awesome, thank you so much, Jeremy. is a little bit larger than a violin. So let's start by considering the idea of how we even make a sound, right? You can pluck, or you can bow. Different ways that you hold the bow, really. Then there's the tension on the viola where you play it closer to the bridge here and you get a brighter or a fuzzier sound. There's that element. Uh, and then there's the pressure. If I get closer, you can see where the bow is. You push down all these different elements that you can think of for creating different sounds. So you learn to get control of that. And then, you know, you can put your finger down on the string. You have to play in tune and then you can vibrate with your fingers so that the pitch goes up and down. And that's another sense of a vibration that amplifies the already vibrating string. So. There's so many different uh, variables that you can create to create your own sound that you can even merge with other people. There's a lot of ways that all of a sudden there's a unique signature. So, you know. Some little Brahms there from one of his sonatas. The way that you create the sound creates something that you really get to know the person. Like, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so who's playing because you hear the sound, right? 
just no end to the different personalities that we can express that way. That was truly moving on so many levels. And what I noticed as, as you were playing is the dramatic impact of how each of those shifts, not just musically, but how as a, as a musician, of course, you have that intention of the, how you, how you want to uh, create an impact to the audience. You can change vibrato, tempo, you name it. You have all of these levers that you can play with as a musician. And what I loved about it is, of course, I could see so many metaphors to how we can apply that to leadership and, and this idea that we, we can be intentional about our tone. And how many of us have either experienced ourselves or others the impact of a tone, a, a leader, for example, that's very aggressive, or a leader that is uh, smooth and compassionate and caring, right? You know, what a, what a change, right? If you have those sounds, right, the smooth and compassionate, or the dynamic and a little bit terrifying, it's one thing that you project out there when you can recognize those things in other people. You ask the subtext, are these people this way because they have a need if I respond in this way? Will they express themselves differently? Will we get farther if I listen in this way? You've given us so much wisdom today. Everything from how to listen to ourselves, uh, listen to others, listen to the world, how to be intentional about tone, and how to really consider the kind of impact that we want to make, and, and ultimately about uh, how to connect with that level of authentic tone and sound that you talked about uh, from a full sensory perspective. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you who joined us today. And uh, I would encourage all of you to really reflect on uh, the gifts that Jeremy sh is shorn today. I know I'm going to be giving a lot of thought to how I can amplify my own listening and really focus on my authentic tone. And I would uh, invite all of you listening and watching today to, uh, to do the same. Stephen, thank you for having me. I, I've enjoyed our conversation thoroughly. I think that if we all just consider what's going on when we're in conversation, it can lead to more connection. That's a beautiful place to stop. Um, thank you for inviting us to really think about ways that we can all reconnect, certainly uh, given the, the context of uh, where many of us are today. For those of you listening and watching, thank you so much for tuning into Audira's listening uh, sessions. We invite you to follow us on our website, audiralabs.com, social media, and uh, tune in for our next session. Thank you again, Jeremy. Couldn't be more grateful for all of your insights today. Thank you so much.